You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from our congressional care pastor, Aaron Caton. Well, the title of the message tonight is... Anybody got that? Know what it is? The fear of the Lord. To fear the Lord, this fear, is it to tremble and panic? Tell me. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, It is the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning and great is thy faithfulness. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come together tonight, Lord God, and it's a privilege to worship you and to sing song unto you. And Father, now it's time for your word. Lord, I pray that you would just flow in this place, Lord God, and flow through me. Allow your words that you've put on this paper to just flow in the manner that you have, and that it would touch and change hearts, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, and draw us closer to you. I ask in the name of Jesus, and amen. So God's mercies, they're new every day. Mercy is the act of withholding deserved punishment. Grace is giving as a gift we don't deserve. In his mercy, we don't get the gift that we do deserve by being a sinner. That's the punishment of hell. Through his grace, the gift that we don't deserve, we freely receive, and that is the salvation through his son Jesus. The fear of the Lord, are we to tremble and panic every day? I think not. We're to stand in awe of what God has done for us. We're to come before him with a thankful heart in every day of our life that we are to be thankful. We are to dedicate our days unto the Lord, forsaking everything that is not holy. Proverbs 1, 7 and 8 tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Anybody ever been a fool in your life? You just totally despise what your father told you. You thought he was just dumb. And realistically, as you've grown older, you're like, man, he was really smart. But whenever you're 16, 17, 18, you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. You rejected his wisdom. You rejected his instructions. And it cost you, right? Receiving parental instructions, it's, it's not about being a burden or an annoyance to the children. It's an instruction to keep them aware of what is the right doing. My father tried to teach me the right doing, but I walked away from it. There's many times, you know, that that I've instructed my children and they stuck their nose up and they went to the room and thought, that dude doesn't know what he's talking about, right? But God is the same way. He tries to teach us. He tries to correct us, but many times, we tell him, I'm not a kid. You know, I, I was thinking about this whenever I was writing. My older brother and I, we, we were at my sister's house, and, and her and her husband were on a, on a long-distance phone call to family, and it was an emergency call, and we were downstairs wrestling around, and, and they yelled at us, and I had no problem calming down. But my older brother, I'm not a kid. Who are they to yell at me? That was his attitude. That's very much like when we receive instructions from from a mentor or from somebody else, just because we're older, just because I'm 49, it doesn't mean that I can't be teachable. 
It doesn't mean that you can't be teachable. We all must have a teachable spirit or else we don't fear the Lord at all. The word of God is the instruction manual. The Bible itself, there's many things. When we start reading Proverbs, there's many instructions in there that fit our lives today. It renews our mind. It renews our spirit, man. It renews us in the right spirit with God and with the Holy Ghost. To fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But do we fear the Lord? That's the question. The first time knowledge is used in the, in the word of God is in Genesis. Genesis 2 and 9. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God tells Adam and Eve, you can eat from any tree, but not of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's a tree of life in the middle of this garden. And whenever I think about this tree of life, I'm thinking that it represents God and his goodness in some manner. Because I think about the tree, I think about Jesus on the cross, and I, I think about that is what gave us life. And I think about this tree of life being in the middle of the garden. Why is it in the middle of the garden? If it's a tree of life, it's got to be producing some of the best fruit that you could ever eat in your life. But instead, I want, I want to be deceived and go to the good and evil. Why? Why are we enticed to go to the other tree? Why was Adam and Eve enticed to go to the other tree? But we're also enticed to entertain our own selves, right? We go to the bar. We don't fear God. 1 Corinthians 10, 21 and 22, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of the devils. Do not provoke the Lord to jealousy. Are you stronger than he? When we start walking away, when we start turning our back on God, he's a jealous father and wants his child back. When, when, when Tori wouldn't listen to me, I was a jealous father because she's listening to somebody else and I'm trying to give her instructions. I'm trying to give her knowledge that I've experienced in life, but she would rather listen to somebody else. And that made me jealous. God is a jealous God. He wants our attention. He wants to be able to, to give the instructions and he wants us to be able to receive. Matthew 6 and 24, Jesus said it. No man can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Your evil self-ambitions. You got God or you have selfish ambitions. Which one are we serving? It's exactly what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve decided to indulge in the fruit. There was no fear of God. They got enticed. They got tricked. They got fooled. They got lied to. Surely you won't be any different. But he was deceived. They were deceived. And whenever they came to know that knowledge, that evil work created sin. And they felt dirty in their heart. They felt dirty in their heart to where they ran and they hid. And God called for them in the middle of the day. Where are you? We're here. We're hiding. Why are they hiding? Because of the sin. And we're the same. Anytime that we sin, we lose the fear of the Lord. We, use, we lose the respect and the reverence of our loving God that called us out of darkness. We too will fall if we don't keep our heart right with God. It only takes one sip of alcohol and then another and then another and eventually we're drunk. But Ephesians 5 and 18 says, and be not drunk with wine 
wear in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. God doesn't want us to be an alcoholic. God doesn't want us to be a drunk. God doesn't even want us, honestly, I, I, I don't think he wants us to tip up a bottle. When we think about the old time, the, the old days of the, they didn't have the, the modern technology to make a strong drink as they do now today. I don't believe that the fermented drinks were as strong as it is today. God wants us to be his workmanship, ready to do the work that he's called us to do. Proverbs 3 and 7, he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. How many of you feel that in the morning time? You get up and you're like, man, I'm wise. I'm going to do this today. I'm going to accomplish this today. I'm going to get this done today. I was wise in my own eyes cutting up this, this, uh, this um, tree in California for my mother-in-law to save her 350 bucks. Batty operated. This thing ran like a champ. But I'm used to a, a gas saw. So whenever I run out of gas, I run out of oil. With this battery, that thing went like a champ for an hour and a half. I didn't check the oil. So the chain popped off. I was no longer wise but foolish because I had to go buy a new chain. Right? I was wise in my own eye because I'm like, I got this thing. Man, it's running and running and running. I ain't got to worry about filling it up. Wise in my own eyes. But I was foolish. Fear the Lord and depart from evil, it says. James 4 and 7 says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The fear isn't where we walk around terrified of, all, of God all the time. You know, think about this. The fear that you have when a state trooper or a city cop pulls up behind you. You start sitting up straight. You adjust your mirrors. You go, man, how long is he going to follow me? Blinker, 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 blinker. I'm going to get over behind this slow car and he's going to pass me, right? And eventually he passes you and you're like, didn't get a ticket this time, right? That's the fear that I'm talking about. The fear is like Joseph and Potiphar's wife where he tried, where she tried to get Joseph, or Joseph to sin with her. In Genesis 39 and 9, he says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Potiphar wasn't there. No other servant was there. It was just Joseph. He could have just do it, but he didn't. He didn't sin, right? Why? Because Joseph knew that God was there. Every day of our life, no matter what we're doing, when we get angry, when we get foolish, God is there. When we're celebrating, we're walking through whatever part of life, God is there. Joseph knew that God was there and he was not going to sin against him. Joseph walked in the fear of the Lord and he ran out of that house. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the foundation. But to every good structure, every good foundation, there has to be a footer. And the footer is the cross, the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ paid it all. And then the foundation is to have the fear of the Lord up on top of that. The reverence and the respect for God. Jesus paid it all. Listen, life is but a vapor. There's no promise for tomorrow at all. Today could be our very last day. When my brother-in-law took his last breath, I wasn't expecting it. It's not promised to anybody. God loves us and he desires a relationship with you and I. He has plans and a hope for you. He has a future for each and every one of us. Philippians 2 and 13, for it is God which worketh in you 
For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He wants to work in you for his will that you would achieve greater things than you can ever imagine. He wants to use you for his good pleasure. God didn't just call us to work out our salvation. He didn't do that at all. He gave his only begotten son so that we could have salvation from our sins with repentance and faith in Jesus. Amen. He wants us to walk blameless before him. He wants us to walk in humility with others and to others. He wants us to share the gospel, to be the light of the world. He wants us to walk in that fear of respect. God is still looking for a people that will live to bring honor and glory to him. Are you one of those people? Proverbs 3 and 9 says, honor, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. Acts 4, 34 through 37, neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man, according as he had need. And Jose, who by the apostles was named, surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. God has been moving in this community God has changed the heart of everybody. They're in unity. They're in one cord, and he's forming the church. Signs and wonders are happening. The apostles are preaching Jesus with great boldness, with grace, and the Holy Ghost power. The church is fearing the Lord. And whenever we fear the Lord together, the believers are of one heart. Mm. Just because God's moving and calling people to sell their property doesn't mean that he's calling everybody in the church to sell their property, right? God's calling every member, every member of the church to do what they're called to do. Some of you are the brains. Some of you are the bankers. Some of you are the laborers and the servants. Others are the mouthpieces. But we're one unique group of people with different talents and different abilities that's going to take the gospel out into the world and share it with those that are lost, those that have never heard it, those unbelievers. Again, we're all chosen, but we don't all have the same calling. But we're doing it with the right motive, and that's to bring glory and honor to God and to advance his kingdom. Acts 5, 1 and 2, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. As Ananias lays down this bag of money, in verse 3, Peter straight up tells Ananias, Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. You kept back some of the money for yourself. And as you're not lying to me, you're not lying to men, you're lying to God. And as Peter said that, as Ananias heard those words, he fell down dead. Verse 5 says, great fear came upon all them that heard these things. Three hours later, here comes Sapphira, his wife, bounces into Peter's house. Peter, have you, seen, have you seen Ananias today? Did you agree with him to sell the property for this price? I did. Peter boldly asks her and tells her, 
How is it that you agreed together to tempt the Lord in verse 9? How is it that you agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? And immediately she fell dead, and they were buried together. And great fear, in verse 11, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things because of the fear of the Lord was upon the people. If we continue to read chapter 5, verse 14, their church grew. Believers were increasingly added. Verse 12, signs and wonders were done among the people. Verse 16, multitudes gathered. Verse 15, the sick were brought out on the streets hoping that the shadow of Peter would fall upon them as he passed by. Verse 18, the apostles were arrested. Verse 19, an angel of the Lord showed up, opened the prison doors, and told them to go back and preach the gospel in the temple. All the words of life, Jesus. All because of unity, all because of one heart, all because of one soul, all because of the fear of the Lord, the church was increasing. Genesis 17 and 6. God says to Abraham, I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. God counted Abraham's faith as righteousness. Verse 9, and God said unto Abraham, thou shalt keep my covenant therefore, thou and thy seed after thee and their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. He's 99 years old. He didn't hesitate on the commandment that God gave him, George. No hesitation. He went home, he, grabbed, he, he gathered up his servants and as he's sharpening his rock on that whetstone, I'm sure those servants are saying, Master, are you sure that you heard the voice of the Lord say this to you? I can only imagine. At 99 years old, this man is about to circumcise himself and his whole household. In the Old Testament, though, guess what? God was a God of blood covenant. And in the New Testament, God is still that same God. He's a God of a blood covenant. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Amen? Amen? In closing tonight, God isn't looking to circumcise skin anymore. The fear of the Lord is the circumcision of a heart. It's the eternal work that's being done every day. God called us out of darkness to keep us out of darkness. With that calling, God will continue to circumcise us. He'll continue to cut away everything, all worldly desires from our heart. It's okay to be content in life. It really is. It's satisfying to not want materialistic things. I'm not saying don't, but I'm saying you can be content in life. You can continue to desire to do better and be better, but God wants your whole heart. He wants everything about you. He wants to cut away. He wants to separate your flesh and your spirit. God wants us to be spiritually minded, spiritually guided, and spiritually alive. Romans 8, 14 and 15. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For they have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. The fear of the Lord 
is knowing him in a relationship where you can call out upon him and say, Abba, I need you. Abba, I'm going through this hard time right now. Abba, wherever you're at, come and meet me right here because I need you. How many times did your son or your daughter come running down that hallway? Daddy or mommy. And you're right there with a hug. And the fear of the night, whenever they used to have nightmares, how many times did you just wake up and you knew? You wrapped them in your arms. You took them and you laid down with them. And the comfort and the peace of being, Pastor Micah spoke it this morning. That comfort and peace of the security of the Father, when he wraps you up, he just wants you to cry out, Abba, Father. We're sons and daughters. We're heirs to the kingdom of God. We're his inheritance. We're his children bought by the blood of Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And that is all the fear of the Lord. To turn yourself completely over to him. Abba. Have your way. Allow God to change you and then allow God to use you. The fear of the Lord is just accepting him and letting him take your heart and change it for his kingdom and for his good. Amen. If you will, bow your heads and close your eyes. How's your heart tonight? Is there things inside of you that God wants to take from you, but you keep holding on for some reason. Is there something inside that you're like, Lord, I just can't give this. And you're tugging and you're fighting. Tonight, I would encourage you to come and just give that to him. Just lay it down. Don't continue to fight with him. I remember whenever I fought with him. Guess what? He won. I surrendered it all. And my life has been so good since. And I ask you tonight, is there any here tonight it's never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Is there one? Is there one that would say, Pastor, I need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Is there one? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you together tonight, Lord God, to thank you for your word. Father, I pray that we would take every nugget that you put together tonight and understand how much love that you have for us and how much desire that you have for us to come and meet you wholeheartedly draw close to you so that you'll draw closer to us. Father, I pray that you take us deeper into our relationship with you. Father, I pray for your help in every area of our life, Lord God, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, Lord God, as a grandparent, as an employer, as an employee, wherever it is, Lord God, may we reflect you and your reverence, Lord God, to those people around us. Father, I ask your blessing upon us in the name of Jesus, and amen. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 